0: we welcome you to the Tabernacle podcast brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I want to ask you, if you would, to go with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 16, 2 Samuel chapter number 16, and with our missions emphasis month and some of the other things that uh, uh, we have uh, sort of been detoured from our study of the life of David, and so uh, we return to it this morning, 2 Samuel chapter number 16. Just to help us all catch up. Uh, David is on the run in 2 Samuel 15, 16, 17. Uh, His son Absalom has led a rebellion against him. As the Lord had through the message, or had given Nathan a message, and the Lord had spoken through that message to tell David that within his own house a sword would arise and the sword has arisen in many different forms. Amnon is dead, and now Absalom has rebelled. All, of course, as a consequence of David's sin with Bathsheba. So we come to 2 Samuel chapter number 16, and we find that David is... Uh, On the run, he has fled Jerusalem, and on his way, uh, running from the presence of Absalom. Absalom is building a coalition uh, who will help him, at least in his mind, it is his goal uh, to pursue his father and uh, to put an end to him and to his kingdom. So we come to chapter number 16 of 2 Samuel We'll read this morning verses 1 through 14. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled. Upon them 200 loaves of bread and a 100 bunches of raisins and a 100 of summer fruits and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, "'What meanest thou by these?' And Ziba said, "'The asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink.' And the king said, "'And where is thy master's son?' And Ziba said unto the king, "'Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, "'Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father.'" Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. And when King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shemai, the son of Gera. And he came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David, and at all the servants of King David, and at all the people, and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shammai, when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse Because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David, who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. <coughs> Let's pray together. <coughs> Our Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would speak to us through it. May thy Holy Spirit enable us to receive your truth, and I pray that you would enable me, dear Holy Spirit, to preach your word and be faithful to proclaim it as you intend. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We notice a phrase in verse number 14, is the king and his men traveled that day, the Bible says in verse 14 that the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, weary and refreshed, weary and refreshed. Uh, One of the particular challenges that come uh, to me as a pastor as we Uh, go through a passage of scripture consecutively and preach expositionally is to determine what the message is in the passage. What is it that God has to say to us through this passage, and how can it minister to the needs of the people of the Lord? That is a task that I am happy to take on, although it is sometimes challenging. Uh, In fact, Oftentimes, it is challenging, especially when you deal with narrative passages that are moving so quickly. And in chapter 15, 16, and 17, we are introduced to a number of people as David is on the run. People are coming and going, and they have different motives, and, and some of them are with David, and some of them are not with David. And so what is it that God is teaching us? Well, that is the challenge in this passage. I believe, though, that the Lord by his spirit has led me to this thought, weary and refreshed. Because we find the king and we find the people who are with the king weary. And we live in a world that oftentimes wears us down, don't we? In fact, there are weary people all around us weary with the burdens of their lives, weary with the difficulties that they face, uh, weary with the relationships and the issues that come along with many of those relationships, Uh, weary with the sin of this world and weary with the deception of this world, Uh, weary with the violence and the crime and all that we see going on, Uh, weary with political campaigns and... But weary with all the things that accompany that. We get weary. And how is it that we, in the midst of a weary world, find refreshment? Well, I think David and his servants help us with that lesson this morning. We need to understand that David is a historic figure and his life is significant and meaningful. But he's also a prophetic figure because his life foreshadows the coming son that would follow in his lineage and reign upon his throne, the Lord Jesus Christ. David is not a perfect type of the Lord Jesus because David is on the run in this particular passage because of the consequences of his sin. Because of the consequences of his sin, he is ascending the Mount of Olives and Because of the consequences of our sin, the Lord Jesus ascended the Mount of Olives where he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but thine be done. And so while David foreshadows the Lord Jesus, we understand that he is not perfectly foreshadowing him. But we do learn many lessons about our king and what it means to follow him our King being Jesus, and how uh, the world and, and the difficulties and trials and temptations of life have a tendency to cause us to be weary. Now, it was significant for us to learn that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth to redeem us of our sin, and he is our faithful high priest The writer of Hebrews describes this for us in Hebrews chapter 2. We'll look at two passages in Hebrews. I hope you'll look there with me uh, by way of introduction as we understand that the Lord Jesus, our King, also became weary. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 14, the Bible said, "'For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through his death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels,' but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succour them that are tempted. The word succour means to help. Now the writer of Hebrews is speaking of the Lord Jesus and this is what he says. He says that the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and became a man. He was fully man and fully God. He is of the seed of Abraham. He didn't take on the form of an angel. He became a man without ceasing to be God. And it behooved him to be made like unto us, verse 17, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. In other words, that he might identify with our sufferings, with our pains, with our trials, with our woes. He might identify with us in order that he might extend mercy to us and in order that through his identification with us, he could intercede for us in the presence of the Father. The Bible said not only does he do that, but he made reconciliation for the sins of his people for that he himself has suffered being tempted because of his suffering. Through the trials and temptations that he faced in his earthly life, he is able to succor, to help, to aid those who are tempted. That means you and I. We can go to him for help. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews speaks again of this in verse number 14. He is speaking of the Son of God in his glorified state in heaven. Verse 14, "'Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities,' but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I have some very good news for you today. With all of the trials and difficulties that you are facing in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ understands and he cares and with his understanding and with his care and concern for you he is interceding to his father on your behalf at this moment this king knows what it's like to be weary in john chapter number 4 the lord jesus christ said we must needs go through samaria He was on his way to Galilee. He did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, it was not at all convenient for him to go through Samaria. It was quite difficult to go through Samaria. So we might scratch our head and ask the question, why in the world was it essential and necessary for him to go through Samaria? There was many, many different routes he could have taken, and all of them would have been better. I'll tell you why. It's because he knew there was a Samaritan woman who would show up at the well that day. He knew exactly when she would show up, and he got there in time to see her. And the Bible said that he sent his disciples into the villages so that they could buy food, and he himself sat on the well, the Bible says, being wearied. He was weary. He came and surrendered himself, taking on the form of a man that he might redeem men to God. And he became weary for our sakes. So as we look at this passage, we think not only of David and his men who followed him, but we think of our Savior and those of us who know him and those of us who are with him. And the Bible says in verse number 14 that the king and all the people that were with him came weary. Some of you are there this morning. Some of you can remember times when you've been there weary. But the good news they didn't stay weary. They were refreshed. Now, as we look at this passage, I, I want I, I ask myself two major questions. What caused David's weariness? And how did he refresh himself in the wilderness? And we'll look at these two questions under these two headings. First of all, the sufferings that wearied David. The sufferings that wearied David. And the supply that refreshed David. Well, as we consider the first thought, the sufferings that wearied David, we'll note four things which wearied him. And we'll go back into chapter 15 uh, for some context. First of all, we note that One of the sufferings that the Lord Jesus suffered, which wearied him, was the fact, number one, that people rejected him. People rejected him. Look, if you would, please, in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 12, this also, of course, is the suffering of David. 2 Samuel 15 verse 12, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilanite, David's counselor, from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. David now, as the king, experiences the pain and suffering of rejection. The messenger tells him, the hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. David, who had reigned in justice and in judgment. David, who had extended to all of Israel the olive branch, who had brought them together and united them, and, 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 and while they reigned, or while he reigned, rather, over them, they enjoyed prosperity and peace. Now their hearts had been carried away captive by Absalom. Rejection is a, is a bitter, bitter pain, is it not? And here we find David is rejected. We also understand that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, was rejected. Isaiah 53 and verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The Lord Jesus suffered the awful pain of rejection. John writes to us in John chapter 1 and verse number 10, He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came to the world that he made, that he fashioned, that he spoke into existence. He came to the world uh, filled with men and women that he created in his own image and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. He came to this world and the Bible said that the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. David was weary because people rejected him. David was weary, number two, because friends betrayed him. Friends betrayed him. We go to 2 Samuel 15 and verse 30. David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot and all the people that was with him covered every man his head and they went up weeping as they went. Here they are on the march up the Mount of Olives. Their heads covered, their bare feet, they're weeping, they're mourning. All of this dreadful activity is happening. And now a messenger comes to David in verse 31. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, Oh Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Ahithophel was among David's most trusted counselors. In fact, David, I believe, wrote particularly of this in Psalm 41. If you'll turn there, Psalm 41. We'll begin reading in verse number 5. Psalm 41 in verse number 5. The Psalms give us a picture of what's going on inside the heart of the psalmist uh, this narrative that we're reading in First and Second Samuel is giving us an outside view. The Psalms give us an inside view, some insight into what's happening in the heart of David. And this is what he said in Psalm 41 in verse 5, "'Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? <laughs> They're ready for me to die,' he says. "'And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself,' When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him, and now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Verse 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. What is David saying? He's saying, my my familiar friend has turned against me. My enemies are roaring against me, but what makes it all the more painful is that the one who I trusted, the one that I thought was close to me and cared for me, he has betrayed me, and I want you to know that Jesus Christ suffered betrayal for us. Peter denied him, Judas betrayed him, friends betrayed him. Thirdly, servants deceived him. We come to chapter 16 now and verse number one. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, imagine David going up the mount Now he's come past the top of the hill, catching his breath, no doubt. And behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him. Remember Mephibosheth, he is the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan, the lame boy who now was a man, injured when he was just a child, dropped by a nurse while they were on the run from an enemy. David took in Mephibosheth to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He hired Ziba to be the servant uh, who had, Ziba had previously been Saul's servant. And so David said to Ziba, take care of Mephibosheth's farm. He restored to Mephibosheth all the inheritance of Saul. And he said that Mephibosheth will eat at my table continually. So Ziba has been his servant. And now Ziba meets David as he comes past the top of the hill. And he meets him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them 200 loaves of bread, a 100 bunches of raisins, and a 100 of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. The king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on, The bread and the summer fruit for the young men to eat and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. David is well into his fifties here and he has family with him, his wives with him, many of them, not all of them, and they've just climbed the top of the hill, no doubt. Some mules to ride upon would be welcome. Some bread and some fruit, that would be really nice. Some raisins. The bottle of wine to drink for those who are faint. Ziba presented him with this gift. But then Ziba exhibited his guile. Look in verse 3. And the king said, where is thy master's son? You see, the king, he knew who Ziba was. He was the servant of Mephibosheth, but here he is with this Truckload of stuff carried by mules, not by trucks. And he said, What, what is this for? And where is Mephibosheth? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. So what has he done? He has impugned the character of Mephibosheth. You know, king, the fellow that you've been really good to? Well, he's celebrating the fact that you're on the run. In fact, he stayed at home because he is preparing to be made king. He thinks you're finally getting what you deserve and that he is going to get what he deserves and that he is going to be reinstalled as the king of Israel. Now, we know this isn't true because we have the benefit of reading ahead. Because when David returns, Mephibosheth comes to greet him. And Mephibosheth is in a uh, a condition that he has not groomed himself and taken care of himself. And he says, I haven't shaved since the day you left. I haven't groomed myself since the day you've left. I've been in mourning, David, since you have left. It is only at that point that David understands what has actually taken place what has ziba done he has lied and why has he lied because ziba was a self-serving servant imagine ziba taking care of mephibosheth and his household and all of his sons taking care of mephibosheth and wondering why in the world am i doing this and what am i getting for it by the way that's a temptation that befalls all of god's servants Because God's servants serve the Lord and serve his people, and oftentimes it doesn't seem like there's a great reward. And we may ask ourselves, well, why in the world are we doing this? Well, Ziba asked that question. So he decided it was time for him to get a paycheck. It was time for him to get what was coming to him. And he succumbed to that temptation that is common to all Of the Lord's servants, to cease serving the Savior and start serving self. Well, then Ziba accomplished his goal. Look at verse 4. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. In other words, everything that belonged to him now belongs to you. David said, I'm done with that guy. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my Lord. O King. You see, David made a snap decision. He was discouraged. By the way, it's never a good time to make decisions when you're discouraged. It's never a good time to make a judgment against a brother when you're discouraged. But he did. And then notice how Zyber responds, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my Lord, O king. Only after he received that which he wanted was he willing to pay homage to the king. There are a lot of people like that. They want to cut deals with God. They're insincere servants. And God doesn't cut deals with us. Well, let me give you a fourth thing that wearied David. Not only as we see here, people rejected him, friends betrayed him, servants deceived him, but we see critics cursed him. Look in verse 5 of chapter 16. And when King David came to Behuram, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came, And he cast stones at David and all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shammai when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. Well, here's somebody who is a part of the family of Saul. And he doesn't like it that David is the king and Saul is no longer the king. And so he comes up along the hillside and he sees David and the people as they're running from Absalom, weeping, weighted down, discouraged. And what does he do? He begins to curse them. He begins to curse David and call him a bloody man. What is he saying? He is saying that David is responsible for the death of Saul. He is saying that David was guilty of conspiring against the house of Saul and that David has now taken the throne only because of his crimes against Saul and Shimei is dead wrong he's dead wrong and those of us who have had the benefit of being involved in this study and reading first Samuel and second Samuel have seen the character of David and how God protected him in fact when David was prepared to go with the Philistines into battle the lords of the Philistines sent him away I want you to know that was the sovereign act of God to separate David from the battle that day so that no charge could be made against uh, David, rather, that that he would uh, be involved in the death of Saul. But no matter what the facts were, Shimei had his mind made up because he was a bitter man. And he falsely accused David of a crime that David did not commit. So in verse 9, then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. I got my sword. Let me just finish this. And the king said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, curse David. Who shall then say... Wherefore, hast thou done so? David is saying this. Yes, Shammai is wrong. I didn't lift my hand against Saul. But I want you to know something. I'm guilty of something worse. I had Uriah killed. I committed adultery with his wife. And I'm facing the judgment of God. As the psalmist said in Psalm 51, as David wrote, my sin is ever before me. So what wearied David and what wearied the people that were with him? The fact that people rejected him. The fact that friends betrayed him. The fact that servants deceived him. And the fact that critics cursed him. And by the way, All of you can identify with those four things because those things have happened to you. Well, that's the question of how he became weary. But then we know how he was refreshed, how he was refreshed. And so secondly, I want you to write this down, if you would please, the supply that refreshed him. We've seen the suffering that wearied him. But now we see the supply that refreshed him. Look, if you would, again in verse 13, and as David and his men went by the way, Shemai went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. I mean, this Shemai, he didn't quit, did he? He didn't give up. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. Now, I want you to note four ways quickly that he was refreshed. First of all, the king and the people were refreshed in the company of friends and faithful servants. Let me say that again. The king and the people were refreshed in the company of friends and faithful servants. Go back with me, if you would, to 2 Samuel 15. And the king's servants, in verse 15... And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. David on the run is greeted by his servants, and his servants say, We're ready to do whatever you want, king. We're with you. Verse 18, And all his servants passed on beside him, and all the Cherethites and all the Palethites and all the Gittites, 600 men which came from Gath, passed on before the king. The leader of the Gittites was a man named Ittai, and this is what he said to the king in verse 21 As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the King liveth, surely in what place my Lord the King shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. What strengthening words for a man who's been betrayed, a man who's been rejected that he can come into the company of friends and faithful servants. Let me say that this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have come into the company of friends and faithful servants. We need one another. That's why the writer of Hebrews said this, let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. We are the family of God, and we encourage one another, and being together is a refreshing experience for all of us king and the people were refreshed in the company of friends and faithful servants. Number two, the king and the people were refreshed in prayer. In verse 31 of chapter 15, and one told David saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. What a pain this was, what a blow this was to David. But notice his response. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Do you know what David did? He went to the Lord in prayer, and he was refreshed. Do you know what Jesus did? Oftentimes, when he was wearied, he went apart from the presence of the people into the presence of the Father, and he spent time in prayer read your New Testament, read the Gospels, read of the occurrences of Christ's prayers. He taught us to pray. The prayer allows us to gain a perspective that we don't have. Prayer brings us into the presence of God and puts all of our problems into perspective and gives us the opportunity to draw on God's supply. May we learn in this world to spend time in the presence of the Savior. How were they refreshed? Well, thirdly, the king and the people were refreshed by the provision of God. What is it that Ziba had brought? Well, he brought those mules to ride upon. He had brought the food, the bread, the the fruit, the bottle of wine to refresh them. And it was there for them. You say, well, Ziba was lying. He was a self-serving servant, and that's true. But nonetheless, those provisions were there for their good. So enjoy them. And they did. You know, in the midst of all of the things that we deal with in this world, with betrayal and deceit and with the cursings of humanity, the trials and temptations, the the people that come into our lives and just seem to be a nemesis that afflict us on a daily basis. God also uses those people to bring things into our lives which are for our good and bless us. So let's learn what we can and glean what we can from them. The king and the people were refreshed by the provision of God Joseph said, ye meant it unto evil. That's what he told his brothers. You sold me into slavery. You meant it unto evil. But God meant it unto good. Can you see beyond the people who've done you wrong and see that God overruled them? In fact, God used them, strangely enough. For your good. Well, how did they get refreshed? Well, here's the fourth thing. The king and the people were refreshed by the providence of God. And this really goes along with my last statement to you how that Joseph was able to see beyond the people who wronged him and see the God who sovereignly guided him. Look in chapter 16 and verse 10. Oh Abishai, he was ready. I mean, he had his sword. He said, "I look, we're not going to listen any more of this king. I'm going to go take that guy's head off." And everybody would have said, "Thank you, no more, no more Shemai. And we'd like to get rid of the Shimeis, wouldn't we? We really would. But David said, "What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse." Because the Lord had said unto him, curse David. Who shall then say, wherefore hast thou done so? David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. Well, we've already established the fact that david was innocent of what shimei had charged him with but david here is aware of his own guilt the guilt of the sin of adultery and murder and deception abuse of power cover up he's guilty and he says let him curse for the Lord hath bidden him. And then he says this in verse 12. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. David said, you know what? Put your sword up. Let him him go on. Let him say what he wants to say. Because if he knew what I knew about me, He'd say a lot worse. And you know what? It may be that the Lord will just hear this and say, that's enough. And he'll extend mercy to me. And the Lord saw that. And he said, that's good. That's good. You see... When we submit these difficulties and trials to the hand of God, we can rest in his providence and we'll be refreshed. Ours is a weary world, but I'm grateful to God that we can find refreshment in it. And maybe today you've come weary and you need refreshment. We'll come to Jesus. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing. And as we sing, we invite you to come and find in the altar a place of prayer. Maybe you need to come and say, you know, I, I've i got some problems. I, I've i become a little bit like Ziba, self-serving. Or maybe you want to come and say, you know, I've been ashamed like Peter to, to claim Jesus, and I've just kind of been silent when I, I should speak up. And I realize that my actions weary Jesus. and Maybe you need to come and get forgiveness for that. Maybe you're suffering from these same things that David suffered from, that Christ suffered from, and you need to give those things to God and find refreshment. Well, I invite you to come and do that. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and today you realize that he died for you that you need to be saved. I want you to know that he's willing to save you. He said, for whosoever will come to me, I will in no wise cast out. What a precious promise that is. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.